Hi friends, welcome to the Purple Couch Clubhouse by the Ohio University Women's Center. My name is Rihanna Hunt and I'm a perfectionist. Today, I'm excited to sit and chat about a book that we could all learn something from, but that I in particular have much to learn from. I understand that life is really busy and you're probably thinking that there's no way you'll be able to read a whole book. No worries, I've already read it and just like an in-person book club, I'm prepared to be the only one who's done the reading. The conversation will be guided by concepts from the book and I will include the important context. This month, we will be reading Brave Not Perfect, Fear Less, Fail More, and Live Bolder by Resma Sajani. Sajani is the CEO and founder of Girls Who Code, a nonprofit organization aimed at supporting young women and encouraging them to pursue computer science by arming them with the tools they need. Sajani started Girls Who Code after losing a congressional race because she witnessed a gender gap in computing classrooms. She started her career as a lawyer, a notable alumna of Yale Law School, and who has worked corporately and handled asylum cases on a pro bono basis. Her book, Brave Not Perfect, talks about the ways women are socialized for perfection, what this leads to in our adult lives, and how we can change this pattern. This month, I am joined by the incredible Kathy Fall. Kathy has a long history of book obsession, often getting in trouble as a child because she hid in the bathroom to read during dinner. Her favorite book club was a mother-daughter book club she started when her daughter was in fourth grade until she graduated high school. Currently, she's in a book club that has been creatively meeting outside through the pandemic. When she's not reading books, she's the interim associate dean of student and director of the Margaret Boyd Scholars Program. Kathy has a long history of serving women and girls to seek out brave moments in their lives. How's it going, Kathy? It's amazing, Rihanna. Thanks so much for inviting me to talk about this book. Super excited. Thanks so much for coming. Um, I am also joined by the wonderful Isabel Alvarez. Isabel is a first year computer science student and Margaret Boyd scholar. If she's to be seen, chances are good that she will be cross-stitching some witty design while frantically wondering what on earth could be causing that bug. Isabel is the soon to be vice president of OU's chapter of the Society of Women Engineers and is always exciting to get into discussions about ways that women can be encouraged to take more risks. How are you, Isabel? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for coming. Um, So to start out our discussion today, I want to share that um, when I was young, things came pretty easy to me. And I've always been praised for my grades, even though I've always found so many of those classes to be easy. My parents and really every other important adult in my life were very complimentary about my grades. And so my 4.0 was something that was always referenced as evidence of my intelligence. And now my parents are wonderfully encouraging and they never meant to set up an unrealistic standard, but as a woman in STEM in college, my 4.0 ceased to exist. And instead I have a glorious 3.5. And for me, if I hadn't had some of the other factors in my life, like my supportive parents, it would have been really easy for me to drop out of science because I have thought at times that not having a 4.0 meant that I shouldn't be a scientist. And not having a 4.0 definitely discouraged my previous drive to go to med school. So suffice it to say, this book has been speaking to me lately. Uh, Sajani's whole book is about this drive to be perfect that we instill in young girls, where at the same time we teach boys to be brave. We don't allow girls to have failures in the same way that we allow for boys to fail, as in get messy on the playground, jump off of stuff, etc., So how were you all taught to be perfect and or brave? Did you see Sajani talking about you too? Um, I was really um, 
excited to read this book because two reasons. One, certainly I have gotten messages about being perfect and realize and recognize that I try to live my life in that way and that it's actually not healthy. Um, and sometimes the messages about being perfect come from two, um, two lenses. One, that in order to be successful as a woman, you have to be perfect to compete in a man's world. So that's one thing. And also recognizing that that is also a characteristic of white supremacy, that we perpetuate this perfectionism um, that we're supposed to um, really enact. And so addressing and thinking about these concepts has been on my mind. And so I was happy to read about it. Also, I'm a mom of a 20 year old who is um, identifies as a woman and is a perfectionist. And so I had a lot of thinking about my parenting um, during this book, as well as my own experiences. So I'm really excited to talk about both of those things. Yeah, absolutely. I think I came into the book um, with a lot of the same reasons. Um, my own experience with perfectionism turned pretty, um, pretty bad, probably around middle school age. Um, when things started to get harder, I started to tangibly feel the difference in coursework. Um, and I think that's also the time for a lot of people when we start to notice like those gender differences, um, who speaks up in your classes, um, who raises their hands the most, who does the teacher select to answer the questions. That was something that I thought a lot about as a middle schooler. And that's when I began to realize um, sort of the own like negative effect that perfectionism had on me. Um, in a lot of ways, um, we see perfectionism as being sometimes a good thing and that it pushes us to do more, um, pushes us to want to be successful. But at the same time, perfectionism really is um, going too far into the that that whole spectrum of you know wanting to do nothing to wanting to do it all really um and i began getting burnout really in middle school and i think that's really um sad that you know such a young girl i was somewhere from 11 to 13 and i was already experiencing burnout which a lot of people don't experience until adulthood um it's, it's really uh scary Absolutely. Um, thank you both so much for sharing that. I really appreciated all of what you both had to say. And Kathy, on the parenting line, I mean, it is never any parent's intention to set their children up with some idea that they have to be perfect. I mean, my parents have always told me that they just want me to do their best. I mean, I can hear both of their voices saying like, I just want you to do your best in my head right now. But for so long, my best was a 4.0. And so I got so used to that being the standard that I had for myself. And then I internalized that perfection. And it just, here we are now. I'm an adult with a perfectionism problem. Um, so what do we think that parents and teachers of young girls can do to mitigate this cycle? Well, I could relate to... Uh, what you just mentioned about your own parents saying, just do your best. And, and certainly, you know, as a parent, I never pushed or grades were not like, I've always said grades aren't important. What you learn is important, but sometimes you can give those messages and the external um, messages from our media culture, from school, from 
from men, from boys. I mean, those are powerful. So sometimes even if parents are trying to mitigate it, it's still over overpowering for, for our girls. So I really like this idea of thinking about um, failure and struggle. We always like, as especially as parents, like, oh, we don't want our kids to struggle, right? We want them to have it easier than we did. And certainly, um, you know, we, I, I never want my own child to struggle. But I also recognize that sometimes when we when we struggle with something, um, we learn a lot about ourselves through that process. Um, or when we fail, and I think. Um, Sue Johnny talks a lot about this in the book. Like we have our greatest learning sometimes through failure, and um, but we also get the messages that that should be avoided at all costs. So instead, like how can we create an environment where we celebrate failures and we celebrate them as an opportunity to learn about ourselves, learn how to do it better next time? Um, and I think also letting sometimes. Um, the people in our lives, if it's our children or our friends, struggle sometimes through the tough stuff. Um, so whether it's, you know, hey, I'm not good at, uh, well, I'll tell you, I'm not good at handcrafts. I'm not good at knitting. Uh, my daughter's an excellent knitter, and I tried to learn when she was learning, and I gave up. And I really regret that because I would love to be able to knit. And had I had this different mindset, I think I would have tried to stick it out. But it was like, oh, it doesn't come easy to me. I don't want to do this. And I and, and now I keep saying to myself in the pandemic, I need a hobby. <laughs> so I really loved what you said about going through the process of struggle, how that's really important for our development. Um, I certainly relate to you in that there have been times where there's just a task that I don't master immediately. And to me, that's me saying there must be something wrong with me. And I think Sajani talks about that a lot in the book about how women are more likely to see their failure as being a result of them as a person, whereas men tend to see failure as being um, just like a byproduct of making progress of development. Um, and I think that that's something that certainly teachers, um, especially for younger children, can help to kind of like cultivate more of a balancing act between the sexes. Um, like I can certainly think of times in elementary school when it would have been really useful to know that it's okay to like experiment with things. Like in science class, you know, everything is an experiment. You're, you're, you're working towards like figuring things out. But at the same time, when you don't already know something, it can kind of be difficult to get yourself in the headspace where, well, hey, this is something that I can learn instead of this is something that is, is, you know, not in my brain. It's not here with me. Therefore, I don't have it. That type of thing. Isabel, it, it makes me think hearing you talk about the story um, of science and knowing that you're a woman in STEM is that we also need to recognize that for women, there's these messages that you're not as good at math, you're not as good as science. And so I think that leads to some of that perfectionist thinking like, I have to know how to do it because the boys in this class are watching me. And if I fail, it reinforces the stereotype that girls don't have a place at this table. And that's something I think especially teachers, parents can address, counteract, um, and dismiss. Oh, absolutely, Kathy. I love that you brought that up. As um, I'm also a woman in STEM, and so 
in the course of my college career, I've definitely noticed that there is a difference in my own feelings about how I'm doing in a class based upon the gender of my professor. When I have a female professor, if I'm struggling in the class, I will feel more comfortable asking for help or communicating what I have going on that's causing me to struggle. I still feel like such a disappointment to her and like I'm disappointing her as a woman. But when I have a male professor and I'm doing poorly in the class, I'm like, I can't talk to him. Like he, I, I have to avoid him at all costs. Like I have proven to him that this is his and that and that's really how it feels and so I so appreciate your point about um, that and I definitely think that it could be so so helpful to just let young girls fail Um, we so often don't let them do that and we so often swoop in to try and make the day better for them but To mitigate this socialization, Sajani says, quote, it's time to redefine courage as a trait attainable by anyone and everyone, regardless of gender or biology, unquote. So how do you cultivate braveness in yourself? When and what was the last thing you did that was brave? I'll go first, um, because mine is really recent. Um, Yesterday, this might date this a little, But yesterday morning, I actually went to go get my first dose of the COVID vaccine, um, which was really exciting. I was happy to get that out of the way. But let me tell you, getting that was a whole process and it goes against like everything in my very nature. I had to be I had to like really turn myself into someone who I don't really see myself as in order to do it. First of all, um, the the vaccine location was a 35 minute drive from where I live. just to let you know, I despise driving. I have horrible driving anxiety. So the thought of having to go 35 minutes there, get it, and then drive another 35 minutes back horrified me, hated that. Um, and then when I got there, I found out <laughs> that it was a drive-through um, vaccine appointment, which means that I had to drive even more while there. Um, and people would like watch me park. Um, it was like, basically the whole event was like the worst nightmare version of what I thought my driver's test would have been like. Um, and it was horrifying. But at the same time, looking back, I'm so proud that I did that, that I was able to go that I never at once was like, you know what, I'm just going to turn around and go back home. Um, part of what was fueling me was the importance, you know, the getting the vaccine is so important to me. That's something that I really wanted. Um, and having to drive there and do all of that was just like a byproduct that I had to overcome. But I'm still proud of myself for overcoming that in a way that like, I never like fully had a panic attack. I never really like shut down. And I'm really proud of myself um, for like kind of stepping up to the occasion. Good for you. And also you're on your way to getting being fully vaccinated. Also exciting. Um, I think for me, I'm I'm gonna pick a a bigger one um, that's a little not as recent for me, but it relates to Ohio University, and that's when I took the job to come here. Um, I lived in Michigan my whole life; my whole family was there. And um, when I was in my 30s, my family and I moved to Oklahoma. That was the first time I had ever moved out of state, moved across the country, and it was a really challenging situation. But I had my daughter, I had a husband at the time, and I wasn't alone. Um, 
flash forward, my daughter graduates from high school and it's time for me to make a change. And I you know, start looking for jobs and realize like there's a job I'm really interested in. It's in Athens, Ohio. I've never lived in Ohio. I've never been to Athens and I'm by myself. And um, I decided to, you know, take the leap and move to a city where I didn't know anybody, where it was really different than any place I'd ever lived in terms of the small size of the town and kind of isolated um, somewhat. And um, and it was it was challenging and it was scary because there's nobody to you know, there's nobody to depend on. You know, um, I I can remember you know going to see my doctor for the first time and you know to put an emergency contact down and I'm like I don't know anybody in Athens so I'm gonna have to put someone that doesn't even live here so it was um it did require a a, a leap and a, and a part of being brave and um and I'm proud of, of doing that and glad I did it because now I feel like I can do it again you know I don't I can I it opens up a whole lot of choices and opportunities knowing that I can do that Absolutely. Uh, thank you both so much for sharing. I really loved your stories. Um, Isabel, I too have driving anxiety. So whenever I have to go somewhere that is far away, I feel all of your feelings. Um, especially, oh, the pandemic has made it much worse yeah. because now I do not drive very often. But uh, for me, I think the most recent time that I have been brave has been over the course of this semester. Um, I am getting ready to graduate in May, and so I have been job searching, which really brings out the perfectionist in me, because mm -hmm. as I am looking through job postings and trying to write my cover letter or um, edit my resume, whatever it may be, I'm trying to so perfectly fit myself into all of these jobs that sound interesting to me, and that that is not that is not what the goal is here, right? And so um, for me, I have made an appointment with a career coach here at OU to work on that and to work on figuring out um, just better how to apply for jobs and things like that. And so for me, that's brave because I have been terrified of the job hunt and terrified of the process and so scared that I'm going to fail and not get a job. Um, and so for me, it's kind of been brave to it's taken some bravery to own up to that and um, find what I need to do next. So what would you do if you didn't fear failure or didn't care what anyone else thought of you? That's a great question. That's a hard question, though. I've been thinking about this since reading this book. And this is a small thing, but. One of the things that, since reading this book, that I feel like I'm going to do this is to, to travel by myself. Um, I I have a, a friend who is a woman who who has said that this is really a powerful experience. She travels, you know, all by herself a lot, and I've always been like, oh, but it's a shared experience. But I really think at the root of that is like it's just kind of scary to you know do that to be in a strange place and to be by yourself, and so. Um, that's something I'm going to figure out where I want to go and, and do it and be brave about it because I think it can be empowering. And also it's an opportunity to, for a lot of self-reflection. And, and also I get to do exactly what I want and eat 
wherever I want and see the sights of what I want. And so there's some, there's some beauty in that too. I love that. That sounds really cool. I think that would be a great experience. Um, for me, if I had absolutely like no fear of, of any sort of failure or um, I didn't think about what others thought, I think, I think I would like radically change the way I look in some way, whether it's like through like dyeing my hair eccentric colors or like trying on like a completely different style. Like I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of girl. I wear that every day. It's very rare that you see me deviate from that norm. But there are so many like styles that I'll see, you know, a lot of it's through social media, but even just like in person, if I ever go shopping and I see a girl, I'm like, wow, I really love those clothes. But I just like have this terrible fear of like, what if I try that on and like someone comments something about it? Like even if they're not like being negative in any way, just the thought of like, having someone think about how I look in relation to like what I wear and how I present myself is just something that's really scary to be judged and open about that. Um, but I think that that's something that I would, I would love to pursue at some point, just like just going all the way and changing the way I look in some shape or form. I love that, Isabel. And I'm just going to encourage you. This is the perfect time in your life to do that. College is a great time to explore and figure out who you are and what your style is because, you know, you're not working a full-time job yet and don't have those pressures. And um, so more power to you. Yes, I love both of those. Those sound like amazing things that you should absolutely do um, despite the reality of our fear of failure. Um, for me, I think... I would become one of those like DIY furniture flippers um, who like goes thrift shopping and buys whatever and brings it home and figures out something to do with it. Um, those are like my favorite YouTube videos to watch, but I will never do it myself because I'm like, what if I mess it up? But the whole point is like, who cares if you mess it up? You figure out what to make, right? So um, but that's what I would do if I were not afraid of failure at all. So maybe I'll pick that hobby up in the future. Um, yeah, maybe start small with just a little like chair or side table and try it out. I don't know. We'll we'll play around. I've been thinking about getting like one of those old trunks and trying to Ooh. DIY it into like a coffee table. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll face my failure fear. Um, so these ideas have this conversation overall has been great for figuring out how to make the world a better place for future women. But what about the ones who are already full grown and struggling with perfectionism? The last section of this book tells us how we can, quote, kiss the perfect girl goodbye, unquote. So what strategies have you used or alternatively should be using to combat perfectionism in yourself or others? And what could we do to empower those in our circles? The first one that I think of is a strategy that I've been employing a lot more late race recently that I've, I've really been enjoying doing. Um, and that's just instead of saying sorry, um, thanking someone for something. So the strategy goes like, instead of saying, I'm sorry for being late, say, thank you for your patience. Here's this thing. Um, and it's something that I think is a really good way to um, express gratitude. 
um, while also not like putting yourself down. So I think it's like more of a win-win instead of a lose-lose as you would have it the other way. Um, and that's one way that I've been able to like, you know, not necessarily hurt myself when I don't like meet that perfectionist standard um, while also like making myself feel better. And I think that that's something that over time can help like change your mindset of perfectionism and like how you perform in general. I love that one. As women, we apologize far too much. So it's good practice. Um, one of the uh, things that Sujani talks about is um, this, the, the busyness piece that women get into. And I think I see that in my, I have seen that in myself and um, really it's almost like a badge of busyness. Like if we can help show people how busy we are that somehow equates to our self-worth. And what that means though, is we don't say no ever. We're saying yes to everything to show, look how capable I am, look how, um, competent I am. I can juggle so many things. I can juggle more than you can juggle and do it all perfectly. And um, one of the things that I have been working on um, for a while, and you know, we're, we're all in different spaces. You two are college students, but I am 50 and fabulous. So it was really in my 40s that I started to realize like, I can't live this way anymore. It was causing a lot of stress for me. Um, living up to that expectation. And so learning how to say no to things and um, kind of going, going along with that sometimes feels like letting people down, which I think as women, we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to be available to people emotionally um, in, in so many other ways. And so for me, that's something that I've worked hard on and feel in a pretty good place, but that can creep up that sort of desire to show like how productive and busy I am. And so I need to keep an eye on that to make sure I don't overdo. Yes, absolutely. And I think both of those things are reminders that I need in my life. Um, I definitely apologize too much. Um, and one of my favorite things to do is to correct my friends I really love to, like when I'm in a meeting with, um, I, for some reason these days end up in a lot of meeting with meetings with other women. And a lot of the time I will listen to them apologize unnecessarily for things that they don't need to apologize for. And so I like to take a minute and be like, hang on, I know that we're like doing something important, but I want to address the fact that you don't need to apologize there. And that as women, we do that. We apologize for things we don't need to. And no and telling them to like say thank you instead and like spreading that message because I think before somebody tells you that you're apologizing too much it can feel like you're not apolog apologizing enough for the times that you mess up and so to have somebody else remind you that like no you don't need to be sorry for that like that can be so empowering and it's one of my favorite things that Dr. Murray does and so I'm trying to kind of poach that from her and empower my friends as well um yeah well thank you both so much for joining me for this conversation today this has been so amazing um and i have so appreciated our talk thanks for leading us and i um, appreciate the great questions that you posed for us that helped 
create a, an excellent conversation. Yeah, certainly. This has been really nice. I loved hearing what both of you guys had to say. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. This has been the Purple Couch Clubhouse from the Ohio University Women's Center. We have been reading Brave Not Perfect by Resma Sajani. If you enjoyed today's discussion, check out Sajani's TED Talk, which we have linked, and head to ohio.edu slash diversity slash women's dash center for more amazing programming and events. Until next time, folks, have an amazing day and keep growing with all of us here at the Purple Couch.